We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Royals Farm Report podcast. My name is Alex Duvall. I am joined, as always, by Joel Penfield. Joel, uh, things have happened. Hey, things did happen, and it gives me some more stuff to talk about later this week. Thank you, Dayton Moore, for a couple of quotes in a press conference. Yeah, things, things. Since the last time we talked, lots of things happened. I was watching, or not watching, I was listening to 610 on my way to work this morning, and I won't name names, but there's this guy on there. And he's like, oh, they're not going to fire. Listen, they're not going to fire any coaches yet. That's I just don't think that's what they're going to do. Literally six hours later, a coach got fired. So that was like one of my things today. I was like, it's one of those nobody knows nothing kind of moments. So, Josh, things have happened. How are we doing? Uh, I'm doing good. I missed you guys. Missed your faces. I got to hop on with Joel on his one royal way. But I'm, I haven't seen your face in over a week, Alex. So I'm I'm pumped to be here. And uh, things got a little shook up today, so uh, plenty to talk about. The Royals fired their hitting coach at what, like 12.30, 1 o'clock? Something mm-hmm. around there, yeah. Seven hours later, they are being one hit by the corpse of Johnny Cueto through five innings. <laughs> I talked about that with a buddy at work today. I said, you know, because we both saw Johnny Cueto was starting today. I'm like, all right, first big league start. We got a new hitting coach. That means Johnny Cueto is going to go seven shut today for absolutely no reason. Yeah, well, he's five-sevenths of the way there. Whit Merrifield has their only hit. There have been – there's been one walk. Bobby Witt Jr. worked a walk. That's now three walks in two games for Bobby Witt Jr. Yep. Who had three walks in the first 20, 30 games he played. So that is progress. That is good. But, yeah, they fire their hitting coach, and then this happens. I, for one, am surprised. And now, by the way, I promised to not mention two people ever again on the podcast. We won't mention him. I'm going to hold you to it. I was going to. I was going to interrupt you if you try. I was going to hit you with an imaginary mute button if you tried to do it. But the Royals <laughs> hitters have been better, I think, than the pitchers. Like, I mean, marginally. Like, I don't think there's that big of a gap. Right. And it's the hitting coach that goes first. Now, I also believe. I think there is a piece to this where they had internal options ready to go for the hitters. So I think Terry Bradshaw, it's a byproduct of there are guys better than you already in the system. 
where with the pitchers, like I don't know who they would go get per se. Uh, Paul Gibson's more of a front office type. They do have some rovers, some guys that like bounce around minor league affiliates working with pitchers on special assignments. So I don't know who it's going to be, but they, I mean, Alex Zumwalt, I sent a text out. Well, I sent like seven texts out. I got two back. And my favorite quote that I got back, I was like, okay, Zumwalt's up. Like, how are we feeling? And the, uh, the only words this guy said, party time. I was like, yeah, <laughs> that's a quote and a half. Let's go. It's party time. These guys love Alex Zumwalt. They love the work that Zumwalt, Dereni, Sailor, and Tosar have done. It's time. It was time for a change. I, I wrote an article, uh, the Royals have got to quit swinging so damn much. And I'm going to take a look at their minor league swing rates. We've, we've teased it on Twitter already from down on the farm, doing a lot of, of the groundwork for us. They needed a new approach. They needed to do something different. It just wasn't working. And now the hitting coach is fired. They're bringing up a guy who was instrumental in the philosophical changes they made to redo the hitting in the minor leagues. Josh, I'll start with you. Are you surprised that Terry Bradshaw got canned today? And uh, more generally, do you think, like, like, not just are you surprised, but do you blame Terry Bradshaw for some of the struggles the offense was having? Um, I, I, obviously, if the, the offense is as bad as it was, somebody's got to be accountable for it. Uh, Terry Bradshaw is obviously, in this situation, the sacrificial lamb. I think in, in, in this particular situation, but he's also not blameless whatsoever. He's hired in 2018. Since then, the Royals have been 26th in WRC plus 87, 28th in OPS at 699, 27th in on base percentage at 306, 28th in run scored, 26th in barrel percentage, 24th in hard hit rate. You can't do that and keep your job. Not ever, not ever. Only a weatherman can be that bad at their job and still keep their job. Shout out to my dad for always making that joke, but that's just where we are. Terry Bradshaw going, I get it. I don't largely expect that big of a change in the vets. I feel like the vets are set in their way. I think that they came in, especially like the Ben attendees, the Carlos Santanas, they had their process. And I don't know if this switch up is going to make any difference. And honestly, like Ben attendees doing fine. That's fine. Leave him alone. Carlos Santana. He is what it is. He still walks, got a good eye. That's about it. Um, I am happy that the youth, the youth movement currently coming through the city is happy. That's perfectly fine and dandy with me because that, I mean, what, what, what bad could come of that? Um, the other part of that is now they just need to see the field. And that's the other part of this equation where how much of an expectation are we going to put on these guys' shoulders? Yes, they're coming from inter internal. Yes, they have had impacts on guys in the minor league system, but the vets are the vets. And how they are the ones going to get ABs until the trade deadline, in my opinion. So I, I, I don't know how much this is going to have an effect on the overall scheme of the offense, but at least the guy, the young guys are happy that it's happening. They're comfortable with them. We think the Prado, the Melendezes, the Wits, the Isbells, all these guys that have been working with these with this trio regularly uh, are, you know, in theory, the ones that are the most happy about this. So get them on the field and let's see what they can do with it. Agreed on all fronts. I think this is about the youth movement. And mm. it reminds me a little, I mean, not really, but it, it it reminds me a little of like when the Royals, who did they fire to bring in George Brett? Who's the hitting? Oh, 
Was it Seitzer? Or is that no. when they fired? No, that's not when they, they didn't fire Seitzer in the middle of the year, no, did they? No. I don't I even remember who it was. Yeah, I can't either. But I'm like you bring in you bring in someone to appease the young voices. It was pretty clear, I think, that Eric Cosmer and Mike Moustakis weren't seeing eye to eye with whoever was in there. Pretty well didn't see eye to eye with George Brett as the hitting coach either. But at that point, it's like getting a new voice in the room. And Joel, I think this is the same way we've been talking about the other guy, is you may not be the problem. But if you're not part of the solution, then you are the problem. You are a part of the problem, right? You are right. It's it's, it's a solution. It's a results business. And if you aren't a part of the solution, you are inherently a part of the problem. So really quick, I mean, Joel, give me your thoughts on uh, what what's next for the Royals. I don't know what's next. Generally, right now, I'm just happy that they made a change. I'm glad to see them actually in the front office go, okay, we need to reset. We need to do some something different. So whatever we are doing is inherently not working. And whether that means you go on the pitching side first or the hitting side first, I think inevitably there's going to be midseason changes in both fronts. Just happen to be the, the hitting side first, like you mentioned at the beginning, because Mike Tozar and Alex Zumwalt are already there in the Royals organization with tangible success with these young hitters. So you bring those guys up. And maybe they connect with some of these old the veterans and they find one thing and bam, what Merrifield's back to what he, you know, what he was prior to this year. And God forbid they fix Ryan. They know sorry, the other individual player that uh is holding up any Pasquantino for him coming up to the big leagues. Uh, but Kyle Isbell and MJ Melendez, Bobby Wood Jr., Nick Prado, these guys are all gonna be in the in the lineup at points this year, and they have a relationship with that with those guys that help them get to where they are right now and now it's going to help them find success at the major league level so we're going to throw this kcsc really quick our sponsor for 2022 we'll be right back from the beginning we knew right away that we wanted to do strength conditioning and a throwing program for the baseball and softball community it wasn't something we were trying to back into or all of a sudden learn we knew we were really good at these coaching these skills from the get-go and the fact that we're in the same business and the employees are all on the same page you know we can write a program based off of what a kid needs not just getting him stronger or faster from a general sense it's what does this kid need on the pitching end we can say hey this kid needs such and such he needs to do this or that better a lot of times it turns out it's not something that needs to be fixed in the baseball cage or on the throwing mound it actually needs to be fixed in the weight room Big thanks to KCSE, Kansas City Strength and Conditioning, for picking up the pod this year. Need a spark of some kind. The Royals are trying to do that. Are they still getting it's I'm following the game because I am like wildly intrigued. Hey, they got a runner on second. Isbell's on second of all guys. Weird. Oh my gosh, Kyle Isbell doubled. Oh my gosh. It's it's almost okay. like he might be able to provide a spark on offense. All right. So, enough of the so are we are we really oh, thinking that I know we talked about this, like we don't, we're not expecting a huge difference in here, but we're kind of already lofting those expectations, even if it is a little tongue in cheek. So let's, let's pump the brakes on a, on a serious note, pump the brakes on this change a little is, bit. Is little scoring bit. one run lofty expectations <sighs> for this club? Maybe it is. I don't know. I mean, the other part of this was like, they just came from Denver. All it is obvious, obviously thin air, Denver, whatever you want to call it, but they put up numbers on the board. So 
very interesting timing for this to have come. It would be yes. not not out of nowhere because obviously the numbers are the numbers for Terry Bradshaw, but it'd be tough to be like put up 30 runs in a three-game series, and then when you get home, they're like, all right, but uh, you got to go, and uh, thanks for your thanks for your time here. It is, it is weird timing. I thought about that today. Like they couldn't have waited until they sucked tonight and then fired him or something. Like <laughs> yeah, I right. don't know. But it also speaks to like some of the issues we've heard about their their pitching coordinators mm. and having communication with the minor leaguers to the big leaguers. Where MJ Melendez can't have a whole plane with Zoom Walton Sailor and the minors come to the big leagues and Terry Bradshaw go. Well, actually, now I'm not saying that's what happened, but I think there's a pretty clear disconnect from the minor leagues and the major leagues right now. And putting Zumwalt, excuse me, in that big league role where he and Sailor have worked together to change the minor leagues, that -hmm. communication should no longer be an issue. Hmm. So if it continues to be an issue, in my opinion, this is not the hitting coach anymore. I think, and and really quick, in the next minute and a half, I want to be done talking about the big leagues. Joel, really quick. In your opinion, tell me if I'm off base. Now that Bradshaw's gone, if the hitting struggles continue, for me, the next person to fall on the sword has to be Matheny. Because oh, 100%. 100%. It's either Matheny or the players, and you can't just get rid of all the players. So yeah, no, I, you guys tell I, me. I said it very tongue-in-cheek when we saw when the news came across, but I said, okay, we're a third of the way there. <laughs> because I do think we're at a point where wholesale changes need to be made. Like very, you know, and I'm not saying it even in quick fashion, but by 2023, like I don't think you can run it back with this coach. I don't think you could run it back with this coaching staff. I understand that we're six weeks in and that's not a lot of sample size, but it was ugly. It, it was, it got so bad so fast that you have to make changes. And this is just one step in that. It's not the solution, but it's the beginning of the solution. Well, and by the way, if you fire a hitting coach six weeks in, this tells me you are leaning towards Zumwalt anyway and mm-hmm. decided to give Bradshaw six weeks to figure it out. He didn't, and now you've gone with a guy that you were already leaning that way anyway, right? This it's was, like this it's like a college football coach. It's like a college football team, like a college football program firing their head coach in week three. Like if you're firing him in week three, he shouldn't have been there in week one. Correct. One thousand no. percent. Unless you have an internal option that's ready to go. You yep. can slide in at any time. But again, this goes back. And then again, 30 seconds, we're done. Talk about the big leagues. I got one more right point back after to, this too. You cannot sell me that you're actually trying to win if this is your mentality. You mm-hmm. are hinting that, hey, we know this is our last year of development and where winning is not the ultimate priority. So we're done talking about the big leagues. I have one I question transition. though. Yeah, I want to transition okay, out more. of this. I'm just saying – you cannot convince me that winning is the ultimate priority if you fire your hitting coach six weeks in. Josh, go ahead. What's the what's the story about why now with Mike Tosar? Why are they just now bringing him in uniform in the major league camp? I, I kind of wonder know? if they, they didn't ask him before. Yeah, Like, hey, do you want to do it? And he's like, it. yeah, not really. Because and he's got experience finally... working with our major leaguers. So it's like he, it, he's know, the one that got to go Jorge get him to turn Jorge Soler around. Correct. Yeah. And they did it with Salvi too. Uh, he's done it with a couple of different players. I think Matias was there at this last offseason, right? Well, and don't they all train in Miami? So yes, Mike Kosar so. is like, you want me to leave where and go where? No, yep. no, thanks. And that's the what I'm wondering. Finally like, said, how much is it going to take, Mike? Yes. Like, <laughs> Which, so, uh, if that's the case, then this front office needs a little bit of com- commending 
Because if they're finally being like, Tosar's the guy, let's get him here no matter what. No holds barred. They go fully Jurassic Park. No uh, no money is no op, no limit or whatever he, whatever Attenborough says. He just said, just go get him. He's our guy. This is the, He's proven. He's got guys that, you know, proof, evidence of proof. Go get him no matter what. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's a credit if that's how it goes. Uh, to, no, not tomorrow, Wednesday. On Wednesday. So I guess tomorrow when y'all are listening to this, uh, Frank Mazzucato will make his professional debut. Frank Mazzucato, the videos at the Royals. By the way, whoever's running that Royals PD account over on Twitter, way to catch up to the 21st century. Like, well done. <laughs> Actually posting videos and highlights of your prospects. Like, I know it's a concept, but when there are three morons like us running a blog <laughs> with infinitely more following than the actual team, like, come on, like we can do better. And so they've been posting highlights and including some of Mazzucato. Kid looks good. Mm. It looks really good. He looks as advertised. And by the way, Maz- the Mazzucato pick, I was doing a little digging. That is a total Cleveland Guardians pick. Oh, 100%. Now mm. that like John Sherman's oh, yeah. come over. Hey, dummies, what is the one thing we know we can teach a guy to do better? <laughs> Throw hard, right? So let's go get kids who can spin it naturally. Yep. And who pitch well naturally, and will teach them to throw hard. Oh, it's a total Cleveland Guardians pick. Hmm. It, it, it kind of dawned on me the other day. I was like, oh, this actually makes a lot of sense. Like I, I can see this now. Um, I'm really Got excited. It. I will be. We don't play Wednesday. Um, the high school that I work for, we don't play Wednesday. So I will be all eyes on Frank Mazzucato. I will have live clips of him as well as um. Uh, cumulative compilation at the very end of his start. So you guys will be able to see that on Twitter, but I am excited. Jared wrote up a, what do what should we expect? I can only imagine that Ben Kuderna and Shane Panzini are a matter of weeks, mm-hmm. if not days uh, behind him. Ryland Kaufman is going up. Eric Sarantola is probably due for a promotion. Herbert Garcia, probably not, but maybe, there's a few other guys they could promote out of that rotation. Not that they have necessarily earned it, but just that uh, are of age. Mm. Um, I could see Panzini and Kuderna being right behind. And then you have a really long look at the three prep arms from last year. Joel, I'll start with you again. Do you have, now that we know they're not going to open, because the last time we talked about these guys in terms of expectations, it was assuming they'd be on the opening day roster. Right. They weren't. So now that they're coming out, is there anything you're going to be watching for, whether it's a change in something we knew about them when they were drafted, a change in overall organizational philosophy? Is there anything you're going to be watching specifically from Mazzucato on Wednesday? It'll be Velo first, I think. I mean, they brought him in, and he was, what, maybe 92 to what's up to 92, 94-ish in his uh, senior year of, uh, of high school and a little bit in the fall. I I'd be curious if he didn't get a couple miles an hour this offseason working with the who was what Cressy mm-hmm. uh, and those guys. I mean that's a really good pitching lab. So that'll be the first thing I see. I know he can spin the crap out of his curveball, and if he can throw get a get his changeup, get a little more fuel for that, then I think we're going to be cooking with peanut oil and we're going. Uh, so I think if, if he's touching ninety six, my my heart's going to be fluttering just a just a little bit. <laughs> just your heart. 
Just oh yeah, yeah. For for the sake of this podcast and uh yes, yes just that. <laughs> yes. Josh, anything specific that you're looking for from Frank Mazzucato? Uh honestly not really. Um I I've only seen the only action I've seen from him is just the highlights and stuff from draft videos, prep videos, scouting videos what have you i haven't seen a full pitched game from him so i'm just gonna i'm excited to get my eyes on him uh, as a you know as a complete product or at least uh as his first professional performance complete product type of thing so that's that's in the velo like joel said the velo is what i'm really really kind of curious about uh see see how many how much progression he's made from that the other thing too i think is the like how you handle adversity aspect of this because I mean, when you're a kid like that, I mean, last year he was throwing four no-nos in a row. So he's he was striking out the world's been, I mean, really good for probably his entire life. And this <laughs> is your first chance at uh, professional baseball against professional hitters uh, that are a few years older than you. You know, it's like the Mike Tyson quote of everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the face. How do you handle <laughs> a couple knocks in the first and a hard hit ball running, you know, whizzing right past you? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's some of the, the mental aspect of it too for him. Agreed. And I think one of the things I'm, I'm really excited to see from him is does he use his fastball up in the zone? Because that's one thing that we've been sold so far is that even for a guy that doesn't throw as hard, his fastball has really good ride at the top of the zone, which is a imperative for the success of his fastball, but B if you can't execute a fastball at the top of the zone, you can't throw a big curveball mm-hmm. because what are you going to do? Throw your curveball at the knees and bank on guys swinging at a curveball in the dirt every time? Yep. No, you have to be able to change eye levels and bring a curveball in, tunnel it well, and then drop it back into the zone. So can Frank Mazzucato, at even if he is 89-92, like Velo aside, can he run the fastball into the top of the zone successfully? Because if he cannot, we're in trouble. Hmm. And you you have to add velo at that point, right? If you can pitch at 92 at the top of the zone, more power to you. But if you can't, then you have to go get velo. And if he's not adding velo, then he's got to have the carry, right? And like something's got to give. So that's what I'll be watching for is either the velo, like Joel said, or it has to have great carry great spin, a great axis, and a great approach angle through the top of the zone to allow his curveball to play and potentially the changeup that we're being sold having improved. Um, Josh, any surprise? Well, I guess maybe not surprise. He's the first one out. But Noah Cameron, who we're going to have on, is another guy who could be promoted to high A um, to make room for Mazzucato. Outside of just Mazzucato being the first one out, is there anything about the Mazzucato appearance, him making his debut, the change in the way they've handled prep arms? Ben Hernandez is still in Columbia, right? Is there anything we can take away organizationally on Wednesday, or is it kind of a, you know, just kind of wait and see what happens? Uh, I mean, I, I'm not going to rush to any judgments with anything unless his arm completely falls off on the mound. <laughs> Uh, that would basically be the only part where I'm like, hmm, something's weird about their approach to what they've done with Mazzucato. That's, I mean, all jokes aside, it doesn't seem like, I mean, this is certainly a different approach, but after one start, you know, how much can you really delve into anything? Um, but, delve. I mean, 
Del Dole Dive, word. whatever. No, it was a good, a good day for that. It was the Wordle of the day. It is a good <laughs> Shout out to Wordle. Um, spoiler alert. Sorry. Uh, well, no, but, but yeah, by it, today, yeah. Was it today? Okay. So, Joel, if no, you I'm saying by like, by like Tuesday, they wouldn't be able to. Look. I'm sorry. Right. I was dumb. I'll get anyway. No worries. We'll delve right back into it. But uh, it's, it, it, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, I, I'm curious to see what happens with the approach because. Obviously, whatever they're doing with the prep arms was not working prior to this, and any new approach is something I'd be interested in, but not obviously not a guarantee to work. So it's you know it's it's interesting to kind of follow and see how it all plays out, but I'm not really worried about that right now uh, from the first start on Wednesday. Joel, any final thoughts on the Mazzucato promotion? Nope, I'm excited to watch it, and I can't wait to watch Panzini and Kuderna uh, coming probably within the next couple of weeks. It wouldn't shock me if at least one of them's there by uh, next week. I finally get to start cashing in on Mazzucato points in the in the fantasy league. I, I need no Kuderna up soon so I can start cashing in on those. Mm-hmm. Johnny Boland's going to come back, and boys, I'm going to be flush with fantasy points. Yeah, Will Klein came back this week um, mm-hmm. and went oh, negative yeah. for me. Well, so just right out of the gate. We'll be, be fine. First start in the pros, so it'll be fine. Yeah. Joel got stuck again. Uh, of course I did, nope. didn't I? I see him. He's fine. Yeah, we good, Peter. Good. Um. Really quick before we get Noah in here, Josh, what is your Chipotle order? Oh, well, it's it's uh, usually um, mood-based, but if I'm just firing from the hip, it's chicken, white rice, uh, fajita veggies. Um, I like the hot salsa, sour cream, cheese, and got to double wrap that burrito, baby. I, I just I figured that out. Oh, just life changing. You know, they say oh, cool. double wrapping it could actually be worse for your health. No, that that it could break easier. <laughs> I have heard that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I feel like I've had a few burns after I've had that burrito a couple times. Yes, Joel, what is your Chipotle order? Uh, I was not expecting that. Um, the Karloftis <laughs> bowl. Uh, I'm just kidding. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I can't tell you the last time I went to Chipotle, man. It has been maybe four years, something like that. What? Yeah, I wow. I haven't done it in a long time. But I mean, steak burrito, white rice, corn salsa, pico, cheese, lettuce. It's not a bad order. I am a bowl guy with the tortilla on the side. I go steak. That's not a bad move chicken, either. Steak and chicken, double white rice, hot salsa, sour cream, corn, cheese, a little bit of lettuce. I load what's, that baby up. What's the goal behind the burrito or the tortilla on the side? You get, you get more, more stuff. You get yeah. more in a bowl, oh. and then you can make a burrito and have leftover in the bowl. They, there is that's more food in the bowl than a burrito. That's a fact. Well, that's then you science. get science. the chips and you got a little nacho too. Amen. I get chips and queso too. Oh, Their yeah. queso okay. is like the grossest good queso ever. It was awful when they first came out. I was so pumped. I was like, I this is it. the one thing Chipotle was supposed to be was missing first right out of the gate. Gross. But they approved it and it's been great. I didn't mind it. the original queso. I never like it never bothered me that much. Mm. I know people didn't like it, but it really didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. Joel, you won't be around for final thoughts. Do you have any final thoughts for the night? Nothing tonight, I don't think. Surprisingly, I had. To, Tell us I about think your I hat. had something. You have, a, you have a weenie on your hat. Oh yes, this is the uh, the Frisco Corny Dogs, the alternate logo for the Frisco Rough Riders. I bought it when I went to the uh, 
the Naturals uh, Rough Riders game a couple weeks ago because I saw a hat with a corn dog, a cowboy hat, and it's got a mustard mustache. I mean, I feel like you have to buy that. That's you a must cop. Right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. got to have that. I looked at it and I went, you. do I need this? My buddy said, oh, you're buying that right now. <laughs> it was either that or I got the their like Copa hat, like their Spanish mm. hat. Uh-huh. And it's the Los Quesos de Frisco. And it's a little like Cotija cheese. And it's got the little glasses like Teddy Roosevelt. But Ooh, that was about five cool. or ten bucks more expensive. So like, nah, I'll just get the corn dog hat. Corn, uh, yeah, corn dog's pretty solid. All right. Well, enjoy, I'm Jackie. looking forward to the interview. Corn guys. dogs for all these good people. <laughs> there we go. Good stuff. <laughs> all right. We're kicking Joel out to bring Noah Cameron in. Um, Joel, thank you, sir. We will see you again next week. Hopefully the Royals don't get shut out by the corpse of Johnny Quater tonight. It's going to happen. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. We will not have a minor league minute tonight. Uh, We ran out of time, and frankly, it has been a hell of a week. So our minor league minute, quote unquote, will be an interview uh, with Noah Cameron this week, our minor league minute, as always, brought to you guys by Drum Farm, Drum Farm Center for Children, foster care center out in Lee Summit, Missouri, on Lee Summit Road. Uh, their their claim to fame, so to speak, is their Compass program. Right, the Compass program takes care of kids after they age out of the foster care system to give them help as they move into adulthood. Thanks to Drum Farm for picking up the minor league minute, uh, which is the interview this week. So Noah, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Absolutely. To be- 
I texted you the other day. I was I said thanks for being really good again because yeah. that makes the interview a little more appealing. Yeah. Um, if you guys aren't following the Twitter account, a do b Noah's last twenty six innings, thirty five strikeouts, six walks after a bit of a Will Klein debut to professional baseball. It happens. It's over. Doesn't yeah. matter anymore. But we are back. Noah pitching really well. How has transition to pro ball been so far? Are you settling in? I mean, it's your first year of full season ball, pitching out in the Southeast League. There's a lot of really good young talent in that league, despite the overall age being a little bit younger than, than some of the other leagues. But there's a lot of raw talent. How you settling in? Yeah, um, doing, doing really well. Um, doing really well. It's um, been a great, obviously a great start um, to my career and um, just kind of getting off on the right page. Um, definitely a lot of talent, definitely a lot of good players and um, just beautiful places to play and um, not a whole lot of travel, which is nice, kind of mixing in there, just just short bus rides, which is nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's been awesome so far and um, no complaints at all. Um, and just ready to ready to keep keep doing what I love. So. We'll backtrack to your high school days and we'll work forward here in a second, but really quick, just for the listeners that are maybe less into it, compare low A to the competition you played in college. So you know, went to central Arkansas played a lot of mid major D one ball. Some of that, you know, big time power five ball yep. compare low A to the competition you played in college. Um, yeah, I mean, College, obviously, a lot of really good players. Um, I would say the biggest thing that I can kind of um, gauge on is making mistakes as a pitcher. Definitely just, like, you can't do it. Um, so in college, like, you know, if you face a really good hitter that may get drafted, may not, whatever, um, they're going to capitalize on it. You know, pretty good chance. But a lot of the times you're facing hitters that may miss it and may – not even swinging at it and you know who knows um and here even in low a you know as i go up like i know it's just going to get even higher and higher but here if you miss a ball over the middle of the plate like you can guarantee it's going to be hit hard um obviously after they hit it hard who knows where it's going um you know <laughs> maybe right at somebody hopefully but um most like over the fence you know like it just you never know but uh, i'd say that's probably the biggest thing so far that i've kind of noticed um is just mistake pitches are are going to be hit hard um, and you just have to limit that as much as possible so let's backtrack you are from st joseph missouri right yes sir did you go to st joe central i did when did you graduate uh 2018 2018 so you're you're quite a bit younger than i am so i would i would have been out by then but right. you played so you played st joe central i'm playing for st joe central yep so yeah. and then you end up at central arkansas Yes. Why Central Arkansas? What what other like what other offers were you weighing, and what led you to Central Arkansas? Um, so I didn't have a whole lot um, of like bigger schools. Um, UCA was probably the biggest school that I had. Um, I had you know quite a bit of like JUCOs and smaller D twos, Missouri Western, um, hometown, hometown college. Um, I committed relatively early, like middle of my junior year. So um, I mean, maybe you know maybe I could have gotten some some bigger offers, but Man, I fell in love with it um, super early um, and just visited on campus, went to like a little camp after they had offered me. Um, just really good coaches, good people, um, God lovers. Like I'm big in, big in faith, um, love Jesus. And um, they all did, all the coaches from, from head coach to our volunteer assistant, 
um, they allowed us to like have chapel on like Sunday mornings. And um, so they like kind of helped us along with that. Um, you know, campus was beautiful and um, love the, the purple stripes and um, all of that. But yeah, I mean, and then early on just got to know uh, my, my class, my um, coming in class. So we just kind of built relationships and um, just, yeah, fell in love with it early and, and definitely the best decision, one of the best decisions I've ever made. So um, nothing but good, good things to say about that place. I didn't have that many uh, school visits when I was graduating high school, but it just, I knew I didn't fall in love with any of the campuses. So it's awesome yeah. to hear, you know, you kind of had that, had that feeling as you were kind of gracing the campus with your presence and uh, potentially their baseball program. So with the two years you spent there, really a year and a half with the, with the COVID shortened season, um, yep. you got selected by the Royals in the seventh round, 199th overall as yes. a sophomore. So what, what made you decide to go with the Royals offer coming off of Tommy John surgery after that? Right. Yeah. Yep. So what made you sign with the Royals in that position instead of going back to UCA? Home team, man, man, yep. got, you know, <laughs> you know, born and raised. Um, no, for sure. I mean, obviously, you know, all the, the numbers and all that stuff is great. Um, but I mean, obviously this is like, was my dream for sure. It was to play professional baseball um, ever since I was two years old and picking up, baseballs in the house and throwing them at windows and you know all that fun stuff so um always what i've wanted to do um obviously just happened to be the home team the team that i've grown up watching the team that i've grown up um just loving and um and matt price was the area scout and just how you know lonnie goldberg uh, paul gibson how they just kind of embraced me um and like supported me and they were like hey we're confident that like after tj like you're ready to go and like we believe just your work ethic and um that you're just going to come back and you're going to be awesome and we want to take you we want a hometown guy we want um just somebody that loves this team um and i loved the team before i was even a part of the team so right yeah definitely just kind of a good a good fit but yeah that's a big reason <laughs> makes sense yeah. yeah be honest if it was anybody else would you would you have considered going back to school and trying to up your draft stock a little bit um, I mean, I think that definitely comes into play a little bit just because I think that, you know, I could have potentially got drafted a lot higher, you know, more money or whatever, um, maybe potentially the next year. But also it's one of those things, it's like after a surgery like that, it's like, yeah, we're pretty confident, you know, that I'll come back and I'll be better and I'll be um, everything. But then I think the bad thoughts creep in on what if I don't, what if I come back mm -hmm. going 85, like I better just take this chance to you know, to start my dream um, yeah. before it's taken away from me. So, um, I mean, definitely, I think, I mean, I think if maybe if I would have fell, you know, past the 10th round or past 15th round or um, whatever, I think it, it was definitely a possibility, but we were, we were hoping, we were hoping for this last year and we, that was kind of our plan and uh, we just would have adapted to whatever happened. You know, one thing I don't think people give enough credit to as a fellow Tommy John survivor myself is <laughs> it's not a 100% success rate. It's not yeah. guaranteed that you have the surgery and just come back. It's yeah. not like an ACL for football. It's 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 quite frankly not really. I mean, the only thing I could I, I think you could consider to be worse would be like like shoulder surgery. Yeah, shoulder. And, and even then, it's it's not a guarantee. And I think people just assume that. So talk to us about the rehab because. I mean, when I went through it, and and I'll speak to it and, and lay, lay lay groundwork for you. 
you are in rehab every single day and the mental toll that that can take is is gruesome so yeah. so talk to talk to us about your rehab because I'm, I'm always really curious to hear how it goes for for other guys who have had it mm-hmm. talk to us about your your rehab and how mentally straining it was and follow that up with how how big of a relief is it to be back and healthy and throwing hard and, and being good again yeah um i mean yeah just like you said yeah i mean it's it's horrible and it's something that i don't wish upon anybody uh, something that i don't don't wish upon any pitchers whether they're on my rival team or people that i don't know um it's just not not a fun thing to go through um i think the worst part for me was like being like game days like being on the field like first pitch and then i'm just like what do I do? Like, well, how do I help? What do I do now? Um, and I can, and by then it was after my freshman year, after my sophomore year, which is COVID um, COVID happened. And like, I was a team leader. Like I was one of like our captains and um, just kind of model, like a role model for like the younger guys coming in and uh, man. So it was just like tough, just emotionally, like being like, okay, like I can't help on the field. Um, so it was just like, it was all about finding, a way that I can help. Um, and that was kind of being like a player coach um, almost. And I had really good relationships with the coaches and they trusted me and they trusted that whatever I'm telling this freshman coming in, like it's probably similar to what they would be telling them. And um, so like that, so that was definitely a big part of it. Um, therapy for me was, I went like three or four times a week. Um, so not as many days a week. Um, it was like, you know, a good hour to two hours um, those days. I think the tough part, because like I actually like enjoyed therapy, I a therapist, um, and it was just fun because I could do physical activity and I could like get after it and I could sweat and I could um, just work hard again. And I, I you know I lifted and stuff with the team when I could um, and stuff like that. But I think the tough part for me was like days I didn't have therapy because then I just didn't have anything to do. Um, and so a lot of that was filled with um, like dry work, getting on the mound. Um, going to practice every day, figuring out something to do with my lower half, with my body, um, with my legs. I would do all sorts of pipe drills and on the mound and um, just figuring out ways that I could just get stronger um, in my legs. And so that when I come back, then my lower half is better than it has been. Now we just have to get the arm in shape and then, and then I'm ready to go. So that was, yeah, that's, that was my therapy experience. How was your velo then compared to now? Before Tommy John? Mm-hmm. Uh, before Tommy John, so I played in the Northwoods League um, after COVID hit. Um, I was up to 94, so I was like 91, 94. Um, and right now I actually just hit 94 for the first time Sunday since TJ. So um, so that was really just encouraging um, that I'm back up. Like, you know, maybe I'm not hitting yeah. as much yet, but I'm back up to like that number, um, which was really encouraging for me. Um, and just hard work pays off, man. Um, and it really does. And, um, I've been like 90, 92, um, 90, Um, and just, so still just building up and continue to, uh, to get better and, and get stronger and use my, use my change up, use my curveball and, and let the fastball kind of do, do what it wants to do. So that's awesome, man. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah thanks. That's, that's Thank rad. You. You talk about like encouragement. You talk about being a role model and everything. And I've seen an interview with you when you were kind of waiting to uh, hit the, you know, spring camp this, this last off season where you're given, you know, pitching drill lessons um, as well as like doing um, uh, meetings with kids and stuff. And so it was just really important to, you know, 
have an effect on people and a, be a positive light to to those people. And as obviously, you know, kind of, I can just hear it coming from you just from the you know twenty minutes we've been talking here. But why why is that such a big deal to you? Why do you want to be such a positive effect on people? Um, yeah, I mean that's a good question. I I just think that's what it's all about. Um, in the long run, like obviously, I'm living my dream. I'm playing ball, getting paid for it. Like that's crazy. Like that's still crazy to me. Just being, being a <laughs> guy, like who would pay somebody to play baseball uh, which is crazy but but like I was just those kids you know and that's kind of how I look at it like I was those kids when I was five years old to 10 years old and um, I was looking up to Alex Gordon looking up to Billy Butler and Mike Sweeney and all those guys and I'm and Zach Granke who's now obviously on the team um, again and um, yeah I mean that's just what it's all about because I think if if they would have came and like talked to my elementary school when I was kind of barely even knew who they were like that would have just been like insane like that would have just been <laughs> so crazy and it's so easy you know it's so easy yeah. to be like hey can you come talk to an elementary school in St. Joe and I'm like duh, like duh like I'll be there like don't pay me don't do like I will be there and um, I'm not doing anything else I'll go work out in the morning and then I'll be there so uh, right. yeah yeah I mean that's just what it's all about and I think that I think a lot of people have that view just messed up and they're just like you know it's all, all about themselves and their their own stuff and i'm like let's affect the next generation and and then let's go play ball and get paid yeah. and have fun so yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love it. that's you right say, you say all that and yet you <clears throat> sent a tweet out calling tom brady the goat oh, i mean man. tom brady known cheater yes, <laughs> known cheater known slime ball probably hates kids puppies and barbecue yeah. Do you are are you ready to rescind that? Like, are we ready to acknowledge that Tom point. Brady is a cheating slime ball? No. <laughs> what no, did no. Patrick Mahomes do to you? I love Patrick Mahomes. Hey, he's a great dude. He's a great dude. But Tom Brady's my boy. Uh, my mom. I don't know why. Don't. I don't know why she did this, but she raised my brother and I big Tom Brady fans. She fell in love with them in 2001, and I was two years old, and she raised us that way. Don't. I don't know. I don't know why. Hmm. I don't know why, but I, I don't regret it. don't regret it for a second. I love he it. He lied to you. He lied to me. He lied to all of us about retiring. That's He's true. just a liar. He lied. He's I a big liar. liar. I was lost. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> and he came back, and I'm like, my life, I'm saved. Let's go. It's, yep. So, ready. And then every every talented person in the NFC just decided to just to leave the division for the conference for no reason. Dang just right. run over the AFC. I love it. Did you see the contract he's going to get to broadcast games when he retires? That's insane. Like, three hit, what, 57? Something like that. That's crazy. Crazy. That's why when they were talking about Sean McVay, could Sean McVay leave the coaching staff and and go broadcast games? Like, he's going to make way more money broadcasting games, which is crazy to think about (laughs) in the long haul. Dude, it's Tony Romo, man. He he loves George because he's unbelievable. So, he is mm-hmm. he is unbelievable. I can't believe there are people who don't like Tony Romo. It blows no. my mind. Yeah, he cracks me up. He's funny. And Brady Brady's gonna be the same way. I mean, he's too likable on social media. I don't I, I hate the fact that he's good at it, but he's gonna just go crush yeah. that commentary too. It's do you think he'll find a way to cheat as a broadcaster? <laughs> <laughs> no. no. It's not a like Tony Romo's out here dissecting plays, like actually. Like Tom Brady will steal the scripted 15 plays. Like, I bet they run X, Y, Z here, knowing full good and well that's what they're running. (laughs) That would be Tom Brady as a 
I don't blame him. He's a he's a good dude, man. Love that guy. <laughs> hey, tell us about the pitch clock because it sounds mm. like the big leagues want to implement a pitch clock, and <clears throat> frankly, the hitters need some kind of mm-hmm. like maybe more policing than I would say about 75% of pitchers. There are the Pedro Baez's of the world where it's like, Pedro, get on the mound, dog. Like, we got to go. <laughs> like, there are people that want to go home. The yeah. umpire got to pee. Like, everybody's got places to be. And you are taking 30 seconds between pitches. I get it. Yeah. But then for every Pedro Baez is no more. Yeah. Check those batting gloves again. Garcia Parra is yeah. like, get in the box. We have got to go. So – Tell us about the pitch yeah. clock, and do you think it's actually had an effect on speeding up the pace of play? Yeah, um, that it has absolutely sped up the game. Um, I will say that we've had we may have had two games this year like that's like three hours plus, so that's really nice. Um, just you know, getting in, getting out, getting home. But at the same time, um, you know, for me, I've always worked fast. So it doesn't affect me as much as some people. Um, I've always been like a get the ball, get on the mound, and then wait for the hitter because you know if I if I'm waiting for the hitter, then they're going to be sped up. So um, that can that can help me um, in that area. It definitely the pitchers that are like to take their time they hate it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It, I think I think the pitch clock. I think the biggest league that could use it is the major leagues. Obviously, everybody has it now, but like I feel like the, at the major league level, they take the longest for sure. Um, I don't think at the lo- low A level, people would take a minute to get in the box because like everybody's like, "Let's go!" Like, or you're not a big leaguer yet. So I don't know. I think I think it's tough because it there's advantages and disadvantages of it uh, for sure. I think the biggest thing I would say is like the people up in the press box and the umpires need to know how to do it correctly. Yeah. Cause it's very inconsistent. Um, very inconsistent. And just like some umpires like, like like do the rules, do it really well. Some people are like, are just very just ignorant and don't really know what they're doing. So mm. um, like I had, I guess my, my start on Tuesday, um, I was on the mound for maybe 30 seconds, maybe, maybe like 20 seconds and the batter got in the box at one second. So I oh. didn't even, and and so I didn't even have my sign anything. And right when it hit zero, the umpire called time and gave me a ball. And I'm like, no, I, I actually like got pretty heated. And I'm a pretty like keep it cool, like no emotions, just um, like pitch and stuff. But I like I said something. I'm like, are you like are you kidding me? And our our manager came out and the call wasn't reversed. It was it was one oh. And I'm like, this is a show. So I think if if it's used correctly, um, and the umpires and the the people upstairs that are that are controlling the clock, if it's the right way, then it definitely helps. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting to see you know everybody's process and how how they kind of go about doing their doing their thing. Um, part of that is in my mind, and I'm very concerned about this for no apparent reason. But walkout songs, warm up songs, walkout songs. What yeah. have you? I'm very interested in. First, so what? What is your current walkout song? Song is it like your dream uh, walkout song? And if if yeah. not, then what would be your dream walkout song? Um, so my walkout song or walkout song, um, whatever, is actually by one of my good buddies back home. So he's he's nice. he's gonna make it big in like a year. Um, Jack yeah. Frazier is his name. 
Um, it's called No Matter What, and it's a Christian song, but it's like a Christian like pump up song. Okay. Uh, and I love it. He's a he's a beast. So nothing super popular. Jack Frazier. Jack Frazier. Okay. Yeah. I mean that's got that's got star power right. behind that absolutely. name. Yeah. No, absolutely. And he, so he he sings at my church back home. Um, nice. He's gosh, he's two two years older, three years older than me. Um, but really good dude and, and just words are awesome and super sick beats and um, gets me gets me pumped up for sure. But okay. yeah, that's that is one thing that I think is an underrated piece of like the pitch clock thing is hitters. I swear to God, if you watch them, they will walk in circles around home plate waiting for like the 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 beat of their walkout song. Yeah, like <laughs> the way for move them. Pitchers only pitchers get walkout songs from now on. Like. Yeah. I people keep talking about pitch clock. It's not a pitch clock. It is a pace of play clock because the hitters need it just as bad as the pitchers. And I will, yeah. I will fight for that. I will fight yeah. for that until nobody li- else listens. Yeah. Well, and it's like, happens. you know, it takes them 10 seconds to walk to the plate. Why do they need music playing? Yeah. So, <laughs> right. We like, we're, we have a minute and a half or whatever to warm up. So like, you know, have some yeah. music or whatever, but just turn the organ up. Like, yeah. Yeah. Get an organist back there. Um, no, Jack Frazier. Okay, everybody yeah, listening, please. go. I'm gonna go look into him. that. I will yeah, look into that as well. Please. He's awesome. I got a question for you about your the the biggest change you made. Really quick, we're backtracking now, and this is the last baseball question I'll ask, and we'll <laughs> we'll get you out of here in a minute. Um, in terms of of changes you made once joining the Royals, anything significant that you feel like, man, this is something they turned me on to, and I implemented it and all of a sudden i'm like wow this is this is great like mm-hmm. this is something i'd never done or never heard of and this is helping me tremendously in my performance yeah um i mean definitely just like i mean i guess college like our coaches at college kind of kind of taught this um but just like pitching to your strengths um and not worrying about not worrying so much about the hitter strengths but it's like if the hitter hits changeups really well well that's my that's my go-to. That's my strength. So like, I'm not just not going to throw a change up. Um, so definitely just like knowing yourself, knowing your, your DNA is what we call that at college, just knowing your makeup, knowing what, what your strength is. Um, and maybe if they love hitting change-ups, like let's go fastball in. So then you can throw your best pitch, throw your change up. So, um, and they, they teach that um, super well and how kind of just helped us um, by like journaling and like notebooking after games, after bullpens, um, just working on stuff. Um, I think definitely just like establishing um, curveball a little bit better. Wasn't my best pitch in college. Um, didn't throw it a whole lot. And just now I've been throwing it a lot more and a lot more. Um, it's just getting better. Um, and definitely I like I know that I need to like make that better um, and make that a really solid third pitch um, for me. And um, they've helped with that with grips and um, just with like intensity levels, speeding up the arm, um, stuff like that. So, yeah, I would say just like, yeah, really just like know yourself and don't don't change who you are because of who the hitter is. So if our pool hole steps up to bat, like I'm going to pitch the exact same as I am if a low A hitter is, gonna, is, is hitting. So, um, yeah, that's a big one. That's awesome. What if you're stepping in the box against Albert Pujols? You taking him yard? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm pulling out my, my high school bat and I'm, I'm uh-huh. swinging away. Do they let you guys take pitch with ever? No. No, I wish. I wish we we did at college a couple times. 
Um, if we like do a shutout, then we could we have pitchers BP. Um, I think we did that like maybe once or twice. So not, not a whole lot of times, but uh, no, but it was and and that may have been like with those shutout shutout and we'd ask and then we'd be like, no, we have we have practice. Let's let's focus up. But do no, you remember? Do you remember where you were when the Royals made that game four comeback in the 2015 ALDS? I was, I was taking pitcher beeps. Were you really? <laughs> yes, literally taking BP. <laughs> and they is- made my round because that was the same inning as the comeback. And after my 10 pitches, they just kept throwing them because they didn't want to, like, jinx. Like, I, you know how pitchers are. But yeah. literally yeah. took, like, 30 swings because that's what was going on during <laughs> pitcher beeps. Where were you during that? Um, I believe I may have been at home with my family – um watching it like i was watching i was on the couch watching it i was either at home watching it that may have been 2014 um or i was at my buddy's house with a bunch of us friends um and parents and stuff watching it um i can't remember if it was 2014 which was 2014 which was 2015 but uh did you go to any of those games at the k oh yeah oh yeah i haven't been i i went a lot more growing up than i have um in the last in the last few years, just cause obviously I'm away at college and stuff and I'm home for two months and then I go back to college. And so I haven't, I haven't been um, a whole lot, maybe once or twice in the last couple of years, but um, yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Last question for you. This is the one Joel asks and Joel is our other partner, by the way. So okay. Joel, we, we we're only allowed to have three people on the screen. So we yeah. had to kick Joel out for the interview. Sorry, but I fought the last, him. The last question Joel asks everybody, if you could go back in baseball history and watch one moment live and in person, what are you picking? Babe Ruth, man. Babe Ruth. All shot. Man, that would be sick. That would be tough. Yeah. Can you take an iPhone and get a better video than the one we have and just that'd confirm awesome. that's what's going on? That would be awesome. I just can't I just can't even, like, imagine somebody being that confident. Because if he doesn't do it, he looks stupid. <laughs> and it's like people will just, like, make fun of him. But he did it. And now it's like, what the heck? And does he have a reputation at that point? Like, at what point in his career is he known for like yeah, hitting dingers? Yeah, whenever he no, wants, he or? he he was he was still the Bambino at that time. Yeah, I mean, it's if called you do shot, that, that is that is legendary. Hundred yeah. percent. No, yeah, it's it's wild. What is more legendary, Salvador Perez charging up the first baseline like this, or Babe Ruth calling his shot? Be honest, because it's definitely Salvador Perez. Yeah, yeah, I'll go Salvi. This was <laughs> last question. I swear. No, you're the good. Pitchers that Babe Ruth faced in the big leagues. Do you think they threw harder or softer than Albert Pujols the other day? Oh, uh, harder. You mm. think they threw? You think you think pitchers back then could break seventy on command? Oh yeah. I thought you were gonna say that now, and I was like, no, they didn't. No. They threw like they probably threw like in the eighties, maybe. I would say eighties. That was that's what I would guess. Like the average high school pitcher today. Yeah, probably like 80, 85, <laughs> 80, 83. Yeah. I'm I am on the team Babe Ruth. I don't know why people come after Babe Ruth. Like, dude's been dead for how many years? And people come after him. Like, he couldn't hit pitching a day. It's like, no shit. It's time. Like, he's yeah. dead. He's very. He's had dead. his shine. It's t- his time's over. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> no, thanks for joining us, man. We Absolutely. really appreciate your time. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. It was a blast. And we'll look look forward to talking to you soon. Sometime. Absolutely, man. Good luck to you the rest of the way. And like I said, hopefully we'll get to you again this offseason. So, yeah. Good luck, man. Sounds good. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks, Noah. Big thanks to Noah Cameron for joining us. Thanks again to Joel for joining us earlier. Big thanks to KCSE for picking up the show. Drum Farm for the Minor League Minute. KCSN for picking us up. 
Josh, the Royals have tied the game. It is 3-3, top of the ninth. Scott Barlow is in. This is 100% because they fired Terry Bradshaw, right? I mean, I was the first one to say there's not going to be any difference, and I'm the first one to eat, to eat my hat. So I love this Royals Farm Report hat, but it's got to be eaten tonight. Don't eat it. That's the only one you get. I got to eat it. I got to eat it, dude. We're not making more. No, don't do that. Actually, I do kind of want to get everybody a black one where it's white on the side and black on the front. Same hand to that. Okay. So I can eat this one? Well, no. But I got some like some good like garlic parmesan sauce that I can throw on it and and down it really well, though. I'll tell you what. If Bobby Witt Jr. hits a walk-off home run, you are allowed to eat the hat. I'm going to eat the hat. I'm going to eat it. I'm going to eat the hell right out of it. Do you have any final thoughts for the night? Uh, I already talked about Jack Harlow on Joel's podcast. So the other the other thing I was going to bring up was uh, I rewatched Happy Gilmore for the first time in like maybe five years, and it holds up very well, very good uh, as far as the holding up factor. But it brought me to the fact that Bob Barker. It just reminded me of how good a cameo that was. It was spectacular, and I started to wonder like what was the best cameo in a movie of all time because bob barker's up there is there is there anything else coming to mind as far as a cameo in a movie i don't know if it's a cameo but have you seen kicking and screaming oh yeah mike Ditka is amazing yeah. in that movie that's a good he one. did such a good job yep i think that's solid all right tom cruise and tropic cameo. thunder <laughs> tom cruise and tropic thunder was also very very good have you seen tom cruise's cameo in family guy where he's real tiny with a big head no, I did not. <laughs> He's like Stewie. It's side. been a couple weeks. It's been a couple weeks since we got a, t- a Family Guy reference in here, so I'm glad we glad we worked it in seamlessly. Brought it in full circle. Full circle. All right, my final you, thought. Do you have a final oh. thought? Yeah. 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 Sorry, so, I didn't mean to step on. That's it. okay. My final thought of the night. I am smoking a pork butt or two. Mm. I haven't decided. I have 13 people. You tell me. I have 13 people. I got to feed on Wednesday. Do I smoke eight pounds of pork butt or 16? There's no in between. I mean, this is an easy answer. Easiest question you've given me all night. It's 16 because pork butt is the superior smoked product of all the smoked products. You take a, if you know my history, a little bit of that pork butt fat, get a little, get a little taste of it, but that's beside the point. You always go on the high side, so leftovers are always uh, on, the, on the docket, so I'm going full 16. Here is my final thought on the night. If you smoke a pork butt, Take it from me. If you want to make like championship, make, well, I was going to say something really inappropriate. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> have you ever seen um, Get Hard? Family Guy. Have you seen the movie Get Hard? Oh, yeah. What, you know what? Um, um, who's the, speaking of cameos, who's the uh, musician? Um, John Mayer. Mm. Remember what John Mayer says to Will Ferrell? When he brings him up on stage, do not. No, but you know what I'm talking about. Nope. No. That movie was very forgettable to me, but I did watch it. Said you ever seen a? I'll I'll text it to you. But if you're if you're watching, that's what I was gonna say. Anyway, if you want to make really good pulled pork, (laughs) take when you're done, take the fat cap after you smoked it. Take the fat cap, put it in a pot on the stove with some butter, and boil it down real hot. And like try to make a liquid out of the fat and with some butter and melt it down. And when you've got your pulled pork, put a little more rub on there, pull it apart. You got nice 
pulled pork in a tray, take that melted fat with the butter and pour it back over. <laughs> it is so much better than if you just – if you pull the pork, you're going to eat it anyway. So if you pull the pork apart and you pull the fat, every – I don't know. Every third bite has a nice piece of fat in the pulled pork. <laughs> if you melt down the fat in the butter on the on the in a pot on the stove, and then pour it back over the pulled pork after you've already pulled it, championship pulled pork, buddy. I I love that idea. Um, I felt awful for even closely endorsing just eating that fat like by Why? itself. It's the You're- best part. You're in. I, I agree. I'm into it. That's if that's my final meal. If I'm on death row, I'm eating just a plate full of pig fat. But you're throwing another layer of fat on there, and let's just go. No, not that, another layer. You take the, the fat egg. cap out of the pork. So instead of pulling the fat cap, you just take it and you melt it down. It's the same amount of fat. It's just a matter you're of adding butter. You... Oh, that's true. I mean, a yeah. little bit. Oh. I mean, I love the ant. I love the ante being upped. Don't get me wrong. That's that's phenomenal. But that's. That's a new level, and I'm here for it, and I will do that. That's my final thought of the night. It is I like it. delish. My wife got me an attachment for my drill. It's a, a three-pronged weapon is what it is. You oh, attach for it sure. to a drill, take my pork butt after I smoke it. Like, really, I only do this if I've got like three that i got to pull apart. Take the pulled pork, drop it in a bucket, take that drill, whew, and it just shreds the pork. It is just That's pork. nice. It is well incredible. Done. It is outstanding. Shout out to Kale Emshaw for the Seams hat, by the way. Mm-hmm. Seamsapparel.com. Shop seamsapparel.com. Go support Kale. He's Congrats mashing on a great, yeah, great week this week. Yeah. That's all I got. That's all I got. Okay. Have you um, seen Mark Gubzaw calling games for the Angels lately? Is that the, is that the guy? Are you like – does he look like the guy that you met in Grain Valley? Um, oh, I know what Gooby looks like. Um, Is it? Do you think it was him? It was too far off to even remember, uh, so I couldn't. I can't confirm or deny that that was Gooby. But um, I'm just gonna. I, I would not be here today had I rode in that car with Mark Gubazaw. Mark Mark Gubazaw. But he's a super nice guy. So good for Mark Gubazaw. If that was you. Live your life. If that wasn't you, Mark, live your life. I really like to think that it was. I hope it was. It's probably a guardian angel. Uh, Clarence. Um, <laughs> Clarence, guardian angel, Gubaza. No, yes. Clarence from um, I know the Wonderful Life. I didn't watch that until this last this last Christmas season. By the way, great Never seen movie. It prior to that, it's great good. movie. It's good. Holds I mean, up the well. The fact that it's 70 years old, 80 yeah. years old, and holds up, outstanding. It's impressive. Very impressive. Yeah. I I'm stalling because I really feel like there was something I wanted to add to this conversation. I cannot remember what it was. I think it was you that got me onto that because we were doing the Christmas episode of uh, yes. the old podcast. And I think uh, I think you're the one that got me sold on it. Yes. Speaking of next week, we should do a dumbass game revolved around Christmas in May for some reason. I, it is halfway to Christmas. Trades. So I, We'll do it for the trade episode. It'll be Christmas in yes. Christmas in July. How can the Royals flip Andrew Benintendi for Mike Trout? <laughs> St- tune in next week and find out. Okay. All right, Josh. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Love you, Joel. Noah, Joel, KCSE tickets for less. KCSN Drum Farm Shop Seems Apparel. 
Have a great night. Bingo.